Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. When we think of our financial assets, we often think of big things like property, shares, super, or a business. One asset that is relatively bigger than all of those items in terms of value is your income that is earned over your working life. That's your own ability to earn an income. In other words, your career. While many of us money people, including me, teach that it's worth considering income protection insurance to protect your income should you be unable to earn an income due to an accident or illness, there is one side of the coin that is not talked about that much. Sure, the insurance products that protect the downside, they're there if things go bad in a way that is out of your control. The other side of the coin is looking at the opportunity for potential upside and also your own career maintenance. We review our financial assets periodically to ensure that they are still suitable. So why don't we do some self-reflection on our own career or job, even if you love your career, your workplace or job? Like an old phone plan that keeps rolling over until three years down the track and you review it and you realize that there's a better deal. When was the last time you reviewed your biggest asset? When was the last time you came up for air and just had some reflection on your job, your work and your general career direction? Things might not need changing year on year, but it could make the world of difference if you pick up on an opportunity or issue sooner than later. Now, we can't do this podcast without our show partner, Tao. Now, I talked about the income protection side of our career equation, and Tao is an insurance company, that's T-A-L, that offer life insurance, and many of our listeners have income protection through Tao. In my career as a retired financial advisor, I've seen so many income protection claims paid and I've had clients on long-term claims with Tao, so I've seen the effects in real life. You can reach out to Tao, T-A-L, online or via your financial advisor. If you don't have a financial advisor, head to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. My name's Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Today, we've got John Pigeon back from My Millennial Property, and we're joined by Shell Johnson from My Millennial Career. Shell, welcome back to the main show. G'day, John. You'll get your moment in a second. Uh, say hi. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Shell, there was an anonymous post in the Facebook group. Hey, guys. Long-time lurker and first-time poster here. I need some advice. I have a meeting booked with my boss on Tuesday where I wanted to negotiate salary. I've taken on a ton of extra work in the past year, now manage two staff members, and have absorbed the additional work from other team members leaving. Our entire department is very dependent on me, and I wanted to ask for a $20,000 raise, expecting to perhaps get less. I know other team members have had a raise to this tune, so it's not unprecedented. 
He's just messaged me to say that he's extremely appreciative and that I can expect something special in my next paycheck. Last time he mentioned this, it was a $5,000 raise. Obviously, I'm super grateful that he's taking the initiative, but it does throw a spanner in the works. I have my meeting with him this week, but I won't see the surprise in my paycheck until next week. How do I navigate the raise conversation without knowing what my bonus or raise is? And how do I deal with this elegantly because I don't want to seem ungrateful? Do I go ahead and ask for a raise as I had planned and just thank and acknowledge his gesture? Or do I accept what I've been given and just move ahead? Thanks in advance. Well, there's a lot there to unpack and... I just wanted to kind of, you know, Shell was working at my house today in the studio and doing some stuff and I thought, well, we're recording an episode. There has been a lot more career questions come in the Facebook group and we know that's our second biggest issue that a lot of us have at the moment following our census. So, who better to have on this podcast and, you know, did you like my rant monologue at the start, Shell? I loved it. So, what's your initial take from that question, Shell? Well, my initial take from the question is, I guess that last line from this anonymous person, do I just accept what I've been given and just move ahead? Or I guess they're asking, do they just accept what they're given or do they have a conversation? And my advice to anyone listening is have a conversation. You're always better to have the discussion because without, if we don't have the discussion, I think it's Brene Brown that says, choose discomfort over resentment. And when we don't have conversations about pay, what we inevitably do is become resentful because we we just hope that our manager chooses to pay us what we think we're worth. So first up, have the discussion. And we can talk about how we go about that conversation in a sec. Mm. What are your initial thoughts from that, John? Mm. I think this manager or boss has avoided the answer and is is trying to let them down easy in the conversation or in the next meeting. So that's bad form from them, I believe. Um, but that's aside from, from everything else. Yeah, I agree totally. They need to have that conversation prior to the meeting so that they're clear and concise on what's going to be discussed in the meeting so that they're not blindsided. And the other thing I noticed in that, and I'm really interested for both of you to weigh in on this, the 20K raise, what are your thoughts on 20K? Going into a meeting, you you're both um, have employed people. How does that feel for you as an employer, 20 grand as a pay rise? Look, can I answer that second? But I just want to say from my interpretation of this, and we've got a response from this person as well, um, which we'll read, but I just want to unpack this. I see this as there's actually two two things going on here. The first thing is we've got a pre-arranged meeting that is about salary from what we can read here. The second thing going on is the boss has gone, oh, this person's done a really great job in the last little while. I'm going to flick you a bonus. So, there's that once-off thing and then there's the business as usual thing. Okay. So, sure, two things going on here. The 20 grand salary increase, I think it's all relative. Now, if the, we know that the median income of my millennial money listeners is around 90 grand, right? So, if this person was on $90,000 and it was business as usual and then things changed in the business and now they've found themselves managing an extra two people and moving up into a level of responsibility, 20 grand, it's probably not a big deal and probably worth it because 
we know one thing in, as my observation in life and in work and in business, to have untapped or a higher income, there's got to be three things. You've got to be a business owner when you've got scale. You've got to be in sales or you've got to be managing people. Is, do you reckon that's a fair thing? Yeah, absolutely. And and what I'd say to, I'm, I'm talking more to the boss than I am to the the employee at the minute, but it's it's much easier to keep a good employee than to find a new one. It's cheaper. It's heaps cheaper. Yeah. So like a recruiter could charge 15 grand. Correct. Yeah. So and let alone the time it takes to upskill and onboard someone. Totally. You know, three to six yeah. months of lost time. Yeah. So it it's, uh, we don't know where it's come from, what the wage was, where it's, um, uh, how much the responsibility's grown by, but I would see it as a percentage increase, more so than a figure. I think, like, where's the twenty grand come from? Is that comparable in the workforce? Is it? Yeah, has she spoken to someone about that, and they've mentioned twenty grand? Like, what is it? Yeah, because twenty grand is a fair bit of money if you're on a sixty k salary, but if you're earning two hundred k, yeah, like, and I always prefer percentage increases as opposed to a figure when. It, in a HR role, you're often dealing with percentages as pay rises, not dollar figure. Yeah. That's how we look at it in our remuneration reviews, those things that you do like once a year or whenever you do them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm smirking because there was a shop around near me and I used to buy like a shake from there like religiously once or twice a week and they were $10 or something like a health shake or whatever. And then the next week it went up 12 to $12 and like... 20%? I'm not paying an extra 20 <laughs> That's just like the money nerd in me. It's like, oh, if inflation's, you know, 4% on a savage day. Like, um, Anyway, sidebar. But so, swinging back around, at least we know in the workforce and your world, Shelley, and John, you mentioned it, in terms of pay, it's almost like a market, a jobs market. Yeah, that's right. And you can actually <laughs> go and have a look what the market rates are for a certain role with certain responsibilities. Now, the clincher is... Yes, I can go and get an extra 20 grand down the road, but be careful what you wish for. It could be an extra 20 grand. You might have to commute further. You might have to be bums on seats nine to five. So there's a tipping point that it isn't all about the money. And there's a trade-off of, we've got a really good culture here. I love the people. It's not as much money. So the question is, could you be happier with a $10,000 increase with an on-balance statement that I think overall it's better off here? I think what is... You're so right with looking at the jobs market, seeing what's out there in terms of salaries. I have, and I I would love to kind of dive into this with you both, like a little bit of a three-step guide to pay rise, to how to ask for a pay rise. And I think looking at this question, it applies to this person, but it also applies to any of us thinking about approaching this conversation. But it doesn't apply to my team. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify. That's right. That's right. Or mine. Yeah. Uh, or it doesn't apply if you're self-employed and you just want to give yourself a little pay rise. Yeah. <laughs> so. What are they? The first thing to me is context. Number one, get clear on the context. And for anyone, there's, there's usually two aspects to that. The first is what's the context for why you think you're deserving a pay rise? So in this scenario, it's people have left and I've been lumped with all this extra work, manager's gone. So maybe we've saved 100K on a salary over here and now I'm doing that work. So that's part of the context. Yep. It's, it's what's the story that's caused you to ask for it. The other element is what is the context of pay in the business? So in say... We won't use Simon as the example. In this hypothetical company, they might do annual pay increases yeah. and maybe even occasional bonuses. 
And so if that's the approach, let's say an average, a year annual increase might be around 3%. Then you start to use that context as the lens for how do you frame up what you're going to ask for? And then the next thing, once you've done that context work, number two for me is your market research. Essentially, that's let's find as much data as we can. Let's whack it in a spreadsheet. You might find that that role can be can range from 60k to 160k. Let's get as much data points as we as many data points as we can, work out the average, and then that's what we start to form up and take to our manager. Now, these are my two points. What are you thinking as you're hearing this? Because are you thinking way off? No. No, no. I'm like, this is great. I was just about to say to John, can you see why we've got Shell hosting my millennial career? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you're very fit for that role, Shell. Um, <laughs> so, but this is interesting. I, I'm While you're saying that, Shell, I just wanted to point out that number one, as an employer of people, I love this person's approach because it isn't a shakedown. It's measured. I don't think it's unreasonable. And then we've got to look at two things here. I would really be encouraging, like exactly what you kind of said, there is a difference between a pay rise and a promotion and a job change. This person is not asking for a pay rise. I'm clearly doing a different job than I was 10 minutes ago. Yes. I need to now have a promotion. Yeah. Or A role change. A role change. So, that's the vibe, isn't it? It's like, it's I'm not doing the exact same. I, I, was, I was flipping burgers and now I'm flipping burgers still and I want to get paid 20 grand more for it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's, that's the whole market forces thing. Like my mechanic down the road can't go, oh, by the way, Glenn, it's now $500 an hour for me to service your car. Well, that's cute. You're not going to get my business and you probably will be out of business because yeah, the market forces won't allow that, right? Yeah, that's right. So, yes, you're on the right track. And- well, that's right. This and I'm not saying that as a approval. And, and, and I'm what? saying it as an <laughs> oh, agreement. I like, yeah. I like improval. I'm a bit needy like that. <laughs> it, re- it recycles your rec- recommendations. Put it put it across his way. But did you have a third? Well, no. What were you gonna Were you gonna add to it? No, no. I was just gonna say I like the way this person's gone in with twenty, knowing that it's probably overs, and I'll accept less. But I'm going to try it anyway. Yeah, and it's well. When we start talking about the th- the third thing to do is is the ask, and I say ask like A S K, not us. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think when we get to this part of it, we start thinking about how do we want to frame up this conversation. How do I want to go to you, John, if you're my boss, and say, "Hey, I would like a twenty grand pay rise." And it's funny, you and I were just talking about this like over lunch. How do you talk about the value you bring in a way that's confident? Like, how do you go? I, one of the things I've seen in HR, I'll be sitting in a room with someone, they'll come and do the pay rise conversation, and they'll have their little piece of paper and they're really nervous like this, shaking. That probably sounds really bad on the. Oh, we're all <laughs> on human. The edit. <laughs> we, I like the paper. But, Secret sound. Yeah. And they'll. They'll come in and they're really tentative mm. in their in their way that they approach the conversation. And for me, as the person making the decision, I'm like, oh, you don't think you're worth that no, much. There's no conviction. So why will I pay you that yeah. much? As opposed to someone coming in with their context, they're, here's what's changed in my role. Here's what I've seen in the market. The average salary for this person is 120K. So on that basis, I feel that I'm worth 20K more. And yeah. here's all the things that I've done to prove that. And it's all about the confidence. Yeah. All mm. about, have you guys flipped the question? Because I'm just talk, talk, talking. Yeah. Mm. Like it. Have you seen people do this conversation badly? Yeah. And I've said this for years. Like, 
it's never, you've got to feel the temperature of the room and the environment. Like, don't kick down the door in the middle of the pandemic when they've had to lay off staff and say, hey, I want 20 grand or I'm out of here. Like, you know, chill out for 10 seconds. So, I think it is more about feeling the room, feeling the temperature. And I'm big on no ambushing. And this is this yeah. is why it's a, I wanted to include this really good example because it does seem measured. Like, there's a meeting planned. There is, and I don't know if it's clear whether the meeting planned was about pay or just a general catch-up meeting. But either way, there was a meeting planned. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want to drop a bomb on someone, like in no. the corridor. No. I, I imagine those conversations like, hey, can we, we – I'd really like a pay rise, just spur of the moment. It's just not that yeah. type of conversation. You got, them, you got them up the wrong way to begin with, haven't you? But, Shell, would you talk about uh, to people the personality of the manager or the boss and how to work – their conversation because some are direct managers, some are around the outside type managers. Do you talk about that? Yeah, it's really worth. It's about knowing your audience. So I think about we. I think about maybe your leadership style, Glenn, and you're pretty chilled, informal, relaxed. So text messaging you about something important, you're kind of like, yeah, that's sweet not phased, but other managers will have a more formal mm. structured approach where they're like, no, I want you to flick me an email detailing me yes. kind of a bit of an agenda or what you want to talk about and let's book it in. And so it's working out, knowing your audience enough to go, what is the vibe? What's the culture? Yep. And therefore, how am I going to set this up for a win? I, I had a discussion and if she has a problem with this, she can ask Nate to edit it out. But Rach and I in the team who's our producer here, we had a bit of a chat a couple of weeks ago or whatever. And I said, I think we need like a bit of a code word. You know, if there's an issue, just say apricot in the Slack chat and we can have it like, so it's just understanding how we all work because we have fun at work, right? And this is a fun environment. But if there's a problem, say the safety word and we'll go, okay, well, let's chat. That's it. And it's really interesting because- <laughs> Apricot. <laughs> Apricot. We'll know now. We'll know there's something weird, weird's going on. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me because in like leadership development- training and whatnot, we often get taught as leaders to um, manage to your to the person you're leading. So you tweak your style based on the nature or the individual, the person you're leading to bring out the best in different personalities. And it's the same for managing up. So if I've got a manager who uh, operates in a certain style and it might be different to me, I still need to figure that out and manage to those expectations. And it's a difficult skill, but it becomes really handy in these scenarios where we're having what I would call a high stakes conversation. Yeah. Mm. The, the ideal scenario for an employee is they've been headhunted. It's a higher amount. They don't want to go because they like the culture here, but here's the new figure. What are you going to do with it? And that's the whole, uh, our friend and your brother-in-law, Shell, Chris Gleason said to me, clarity is kind. And, you know, it's, it's the real world. And, you know, if one of my team members were approached, I would honestly hope that they wouldn't rock up to me with a, by the way, I'm out of here. Yeah. More of a, hey, letting you know, I've received this. Can we chat about it? I think the really important thing to note in those dynamics is to never make it an ultimatum because I've had that where people come and they it's say- It's the shakedown, isn't it? It's, exa- it's the shakedown and it's like, hey, Glenn, I have been offered a job. It's uh, 40 grand more. So 
what I need from you is 40 grand more or I'm out. And what I need for you is to ask them if I can have a job as well. <laughs> well, that, But, I mean, people do this stuff yeah. and it's Close like... Close the door on your way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that comes back to when we're thinking about how we approach pay rise conversations and the ask, it's... I want to make that person as warm to my request as possible. Mm. Like I want them to feel stupid saying no. Yes. Yeah. So we'll move on. But the person actually replied and said, I was offered a modest raise, but I ended up asking for more, which they seemed supportive and understanding of. They'll get back to me, but it was a super productive conversation where we expressed a lot of appreciations towards each other. There's even talks of a big promotion, but I was told even if I reject that, I can still expect a higher salary in my existing role. So I think the conversation started and that's the thing. I think don't let steam build up honest conversations and it's sure, it is different if you're in a government role and there's bans and you've got no control or if you're in a not-for-profit but a lot of us, you know, small business employ a lot of people in Australia. Yep. Very important. And I welcome any robust discussion, but like everything, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but uh, as an employer, I want an environment where I've got team members that they're too good f- that I want to lose and I want them to know that they've got it too good here that they want to leave. Correct. Which goes back to a genuine win-win. To balance, leave something mm. on, the, on the table for the next person. One other question, uh, it was in the Facebook group uh, from Rihanna Booth. Hi, all. What are your thoughts on buying co-workers, bosses, etc., lunches? A friend's boss will buy lunches, coffees, etc., for them, and they feel obligated to buy the next day to get them back. Only their spending plan doesn't have the DOSH wiggle room to sustain this, and it's a vastly different salary. This happens almost every workday and seems to be the culture. They are the only two people working together. What do you do? Hey, I don't have the money. Can't do this. Sorry. That's a direct way of saying it. Mm. Also, though, if you were going out to lunch anyway and they bought you lunch, you essentially got a free lunch, so you should be able to shout them the next day. Is that right? Well, if you're going out two days in a row? Yeah, but I, I, I think the whole thing might be that, oh, I, I usually like pack some crackers and just eat. And they're like, hey, come out. I'll get you. And then it's yeah. lunchtime. Oh, you're coming out today? And they feel like, oh, it's my turn. I think it's honestly, it's a, a confidence with your own boundaries. And it's okay to say, hey, I really appreciate that you get me. But to be honest, I, I don't actually have the money to always reciprocate. Um, clarity's kind. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point, though. Shall well, I think about the pub, and if you if it's your turn to shout, shout beers, well, yeah. you sh- that's I haven't got enough money. But hang on, I just <laughs> got a just, free one. Well, that's right. I didn't I'm have like, any well, don't come to the pub to begin with. Right? <laughs> yes, but, but <laughs> in the workforce, it, it's it's also a little bit about culture as well. So going out for coffee or lunches or whatever it might be builds culture, and this person might feel bad about maybe not going because everyone else is going. Now, there's only two of them there, so it's a little bit different. But, yeah, I, I it's actually a good question because it, it happens a lot. Well, and I think bosses expect sometimes to just shout their team members' lunch, right? Like I have done that many a time. I have no expectation of my yeah. team employees having to, like, count and record, oh, Shell paid last time, so I better – Follow it up. Well, I just paid fifty dollars for our lunch today, Shell. So <laughs> yeah, I better get the next one. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll write it down as well. But 
like in my office, for example, like I'll go and buy them coffee, but if they ask me if I want one when they go, I'll say no a lot of the time. Um, and it's not because I don't feel like one. It's just I, I don't want them to be tit for tat. Like I see, and you do the same, is like we need to be more generous than our employees. Yeah, mm. and that is a cultural thing, right, and it's the, the generosity piece. So I don't think this – good bosses don't think like this in a transactional way. But also the weird thing is this boss, quote, unquote, might just be middle management anyway. Yeah. And there could be some weird stuff going on. But I think, honestly, it's actually got nothing to do with the money and your friend Rihanna, I believe – it's a personal boundaries, be brave in the workplace, yeah. speak up and don't be a pushover, quote unquote. Like I, I just think it's more about we always need to learn to have the uncomfortable conversations because I've been saying this for years, it's hard to keep going down this road. It's also hard to have the conversation, choose your hard, pick one. Everything's hard. And there's other ways you can you can achieve the same outcome. So it might be, well, hey, Rhiannon's mate is on a budget that doesn't allow for it. So what am I going to do? I'm actually going to make a delicious lunch. Like as a person who loves to cook, I'm like, I find that kind of stuff better than going out for lunch, you know, or you just go to Macca's, a bit cheaper, right? It's pretty expensive <laughs> these days. Well, it is, especially um, the salted caramel frappes. <laughs> Why do you get a salted caramel frappe? No, the kids always want one oh. on a salt, like eight bucks. I was just oh, envisioning why? you sipping out of one of me. Not that that's a bad thing, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, we're back. Shell, we've got something to announce. What is it? Uh, <laughs> well, John. I never know what you're going to announce. Do you know how we do the clarity calls with you and people mm-hmm. pay you for a, a, mm-hmm. a session? We've had such a demand for career questions. We've decided to introduce a career clarity call with Shell. Yeah, Love we it. have. Love it. So, we, we'll put a link in the show notes, but effectively you'll pay Shell she will send you some questionnaires, some info to prime the pump. She'll send you a little sheet and a questionnaire about 
Goals. Values. What about you tell everyone what you do? Oh, so on the Career Clarity course, we'll be focusing on a few things, Glenn. We'll be looking at values, strengths, and setting career goals. So that's kind of the strategic component of building out the career that you love. And then we'll get to really practical elements of, you know, how do you approach these things like pay rise conversations or interviews, preparing for them, building your kind of career network. So it's going to be fun. Love it. There we go. So, and again, like these cores, they're going to be $330, but we need to have a price point like that because one, we talked about market forces before. If we said, hey, they're $20, Shell wouldn't have any time and she'd be making no money. Mm. Um, So, it's not for everyone and it might be for those who are on a higher income or those who are on a lower income and you really want to invest in the first steps of getting that direction and clarity. So, we make no apologies for uh, providing good stuff um, at a premium price. Uh, You know, these podcasts, they don't cost money. So, you can have this for nothing. But if you want to go that one step further, you can. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. So, this is the cool thing. So, as a percentage of your income, it's Bargain. Yeah, well, that, and that's it. So, and, you know, my, my rant at the start of the episode about, you know, maintenance on your investment property or maintenance on your investments, when did you last do a career maintenance check? Yeah. Do we have to say where we'll find the info? Yes. The so, we'll put a, a link in the show notes <laughs> or you can go to mymillennial.money forward slash M3C. Cool, cool. And booked out. She'll be booked out in no time, but it's just all about value, right? Okay, next up, Mel Hudson in the Facebook group. Hello, all. Firstly, I worry I'm too old for this group. I'm 45, but I'm here because I've just come into my inheritance and I don't know what to do with it. I've never had any money. Ex-husband is a gambler and spent everything we had. Last Christmas, I genuinely thought I'd be homeless. Anyway, times have changed and I want to invest. Question is, how? Property? thinking of converting my double garage into a granny flat to make passive income or do I invest in shares? I mean, John, what are you saying to Mel? Yeah, firstly, um, sorry for your experience. Um, That would have been a tough time for you. Um, Secondly, well, can we do both? If we don't need our double garage, granny flat, perfect way to to get some cash flow up for sure. Um, Okay, so just on that, if I, you know, I, I mm. tap into your property mind, mm. do we still need to do the same amount of due diligence with rental markets and all that stuff if we do have a house in suburbia and a granny flat? Like, because where my parents live, I mean, it's in the sticks. And if they just went, ta-da, granny flat, like, would there be anyone that would rent there? Like, what's well, the DD on- Well, high level around the country, there's a shortage of property, shortage of- housing. So, in most places, I would say the answer to that is yes, it'll get snapped up in a jiffy. So, it, it's just a, a cost versus benefit thing to convert that double garage into um, something that's going to be accommodation suitable. Obviously, wet room, um, bathroom, kitchen, whatever. So, yeah, look into the cost of that. But I, I know places that their two-bedroom shack at the front their house is renting for $400 a week and the granny flat out the back is renting for 350 So you've got 750 of income a week. Um, it starts to, yeah, if you've got some money spare to convert, it's a, it's a great cash flow outcome. So 
just as a loose scenario for people to realise how amazing granny flats can be, you know, provided you got council approval and provided that it's all G, you know, if Mel had to spend, I'll make a number up, $60,000, right, investing into turning this place into the granny flat. Yep. And she was to rent it for, what did you say before, three fifty a week? Oh, I think in a lot of areas you could demand something like that. Yeah. Okay. So then if we go three fifty times fifty two, that's eighteen thousand two hundred dollars a year. Mm. Then we go eighteen thousand two hundred dollars per year divided by the sixty thousand dollars that it cost. Yeah. That's thirty percent per year return. Yeah. So three years you've effectively got your your money back. Not uh, what is, invest, of course. <laughs> asking for a friend, what is the average cost of building a granny flat? Do you know? So th- there's two different conversations, isn't it? There? There's a freestanding granny flat out the back on yeah. a, on the block that's regulated and can be sold as a as an a, approved granny flat. Yeah. Um, or there's a garage like we're sitting in here. That and a little can be, gum tree job. <laughs> <laughs> can be converted that, yes, it's approved, but it's um, – it's going to be far less because you've already got the dwelling here, haven't mm-hmm. you? So, um, answer your question: Granny flat out the uh, out the back from scratch, hundred, hundred twenty k, probably retail, um, something like that. Yeah, fifty, sixty k, absolute max. Mm. So, you know, and it goes back to like investment returns, right? Like if you own the house and you've got the room for the granny flat, you don't need the double garage, and you want to be a little bit conservative, but also you can put up with someone else living on your property. That's a big thing, which yeah, I wouldn't massive. do for 30% return. I'm just not doing it because I don't vibe that. Um, you know, a 30% return on your money, where do you get that? Yeah, well, if we look at 60 grand and mm. you borrow the whole lot mm. at 3%, um, very low interest repayments on that, a lot of that, extra cash can either A, come into your cash flow buffers or B, into shares. And do you think um, if we get really micro on the granny flat thing, in terms of serving most of the market, make sure that it's technically not, I guess it depends on the sizes because I'm thinking when we've got a rental property, we want the maximum chance to get as many people to be able to rent it, right? So I'll give the example, have a two-car garage turned into a granny flat is it a studio apartment, which might mean that you can't have two uni students sharing mm. or do you, if it's big enough, and I guess it probably isn't, like do you have a separate, in, an enclosed toilet? I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm just, yeah. what do you do, John? Help me. Funny, I was watching a show the other night, just flicked across it, tiny houses sort of thing in the UK. And the, this room here, they had the full kitchen, lounge, bedroom, toilet, etc. But they, they had fold up. Um, of all of it. So when you needed it, you'd bring it down. When you didn't, it convert to the kitchen or whatever it might be. It's pretty cool for such a small space. But answer your question, ideally you want at least two beds because you might have a single with that needs a, an office or, as you said, two singles that mm. want, to, uh, want to use it and maximise the rent. And I guess if you are, uh, like in Mel's instance, if she is um, you're going to tweak her existing double car garage, do you build an annex onto it and just maybe make it a little bit bigger? Um, But it's a really good discussion and we know that local councils in a lot of places are allowing this stuff. Yeah, and and comes back to the simple fact that Mm. there's there's no housing available. But if we go back to receiving an inheritance, the first, first, first rule of thumb 
might be to just put it in another online account for six months and not touch it. Just gives you enough uh, emotional time having that wealth there because, you know, Shell, if you had 300 grand drop into your bank account tomorrow, I'm sure some of it would grow legs pretty fast. Oh, yeah. I can think, <laughs> I can tell you a list, of, you know, landscaping at my house, that'd be the first thing. But I think that's such a good point, Glenn, of going, what is it that in our human nature that is just impulsive? Like we have this unexpected thing and we're like, oh, what can we do? And I love that Mel's first thing is I've joined this group to get advice. Mm. And if any, if you're in this situation, the first thing I would hope that I would do if I got 300 grand is go and talk to my financial advisor. Yeah. And I think I did mention like James Millard and Cara and the team at Sufficient Funds, they do a, like an, an hour goal setting session and similar to a property clarity call. And I suggested James' um, session because it does have a bit further scope than, you know, just property uh, because they can talk about shares and whatnot. But I mean, even, you know, at least if someone had the clarity call with you, John, you'd pretty soon rule out with property in generals for them or not. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair statement. Um, she's not too old for the group, by the way. No, and that's and I wrote like, no one is too old for my millennial money. Mm. Maybe me. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe me. Tired. Tired. I'm tired, old. Tired, too tired. <laughs> and I've got a sore back. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a good thing. Oh, I've got to show you something funny, Shell. I will do it in the after party. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think time um, to have the money just sitting there. All right. We've got another question from Shanti Graham in the Facebook group. Hi, all. If you had 150 to 200K, what business ventures would you go into? You're a funny bunch, but please, no jokes. Just, <laughs> just looking into the options to think about. Thank you. Okay, so there's some responses here and I'll read some of uh, the responses out from the community. So Lachlan Peterson said, Bobcat, truck driver, excavator, do some sign writing. Um, Samantha Burke said, invest in companies that do crane hire, traffic safety equipment, food outlets. Scott Bruce is just like... Personally, I wouldn't. I'll put it into shares in companies that I know that they're doing and I'll stick to my day job. Um, Pickles McPickles, interesting name, going out on a limb to say it's not your real name, uh, said Car Wash. Jake Brock, I'd potentially start a firearms or motorcycle dealership. Both of those things are dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just envisioning like Sons of Anarchy or something. (laughs) (laughs) When a savvy, my own dance and Pilates studio with big windows. Okay, like there's all this stuff. I would start a private practice for psychologists, says Jamie Khaleesi, Khaleesi, sorry, um, build that business. Now, do you want me to keep ranting or do you guys want to jump in? Because I've got a couple of things to say to you people. Rant, go. John? Here you go. Number one, you could be the best baker in the world, but you could suck at running a business. You could be the best business owner in the world, but suck at baking. So I honestly think, you know, years ago, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I was talking with a colleague who lived in uh, Manly and, you know, we both had our successful financial planning businesses and we're like, oh, let's do something different. Let's diversify. And we went down the road at looking at buying our Domino's franchise. 
because, you know, everyone has these stories of, oh, that person owns three franchises and it prints money. Now, we pulled the pin for a couple of reasons. Number one, it wasn't our core business and core focus in our life. Number two, we were only really doing it because it could be a good way to smash and grab money. Number three, we resolved that, well, we're not actually working in the business and the best way to have those franchises is to get in there from the ground up, see how it operates, get a passion for it. So, what I'm getting at is, like everyone can, everyone knows the good business, we'll call it the nice, cool cafe down the road and it's awesome. It's got the best vibe ever. The people who started that vibe, they sell it. The next people come in and go, we're going to buy a cafe. But you're not really cafe people. You don't have the vibe and it just slowly declines. So, what I'm getting at is don't just do stuff because you think it's going to be the answer to your problems. Focus on you. So, an example like when a savvy, I'm pretty sure you came to our Canberra show and I met you. My challenge to you, Wenna, is, well, let's do your own dance and Pilates studio now. Like, let's assume that we don't have $200,000 because the problem is when we get capital and want to go and invest it in stuff that hasn't been done in an organic way, you waste money, you magnify your losses because you're like, oh, I'm just going to spend 20 grand on this social media campaign because the capital's there. You haven't earned it. So, what happens if, if, if the campaign doesn't work out? Well, I'd rather it not worked out with $1,000 than using $20, $20,000 that wasn't earned. So, I feel like it kind of comes back to your values. Like, what is it that's important to you? Like, I, um, it's amazing to hear that Domino's story because I could not imagine you owning a franchise like that. Of because, but I think about what you value as a person, and I'm like, that doesn't seem to line up. And it's good to look into the things and look into the opportunities, but then g- come back and do that sense check. What is it that I value? If I value health and Pilates and doing that thing, then go and do it. Like pursue the opportunity. Obviously you do your sanity checks, but yeah, I I don't know. I kind of go back to, it's not just kind of, what's the expression? It's not hodgepodge, but you're not just picking something out of the sky, you know? Yeah. And I think there's always exceptions, but as a general rule, you know, smoking's bad, it's bad for your health. There's the exception that someone died from at a hundred years old, because they were hit by a bus and they'd smoked all their life. Like smoking was good for them or whatever. Like I think as a general rule, I wouldn't want anyone to rock up with a couple hundred grand and go, I'm just going to buy that business and we'll give it a shake. Yeah. I think the first question you've got to ask yourself is, are you running away from something or are you scratching an inch? Are you you running away from the fact that you don't like getting told what to do or you've got a bad culture at work or you don't enjoy your work because you have to travel and commute and whatever and I'll I'll run a new business from home but I don't really like the idea of running my own business or am I scratching an an itch because I actually want to have a go at this running a business thing and I'm excited by the fact that I want to take this on. And then I would hypothesize and go, well, let's try and do it without that seed capital. Yeah, that's right. The money's irrelevant. It's the same thing. And I've shared this story on the My Millennial Business Podcast, which this episode is brought to you by. Uh, (laughs) I've shared this story before. It was in my own business while we don't like to use debt in our business. And it's also like when I talk about that social media thing with the 20 grand and it wasted. So when I started my own business, I paid $1,000 to do an advertising campaign and I never got a phone call. Now, 
the funny thing was, I'm like, oh, that was such a, and to be honest, it was a thousand dollars. It should, it, it could have been a hundred thousand dollars because it was just such a lot of money for oh, me man. at the time, right? Mm. I never got a call. Three years later, I'm looking through my Dropbox at old business stuff, and I, I opened the app. I'm like, oh, I remember this. This was the biggest waste of money. Now my phone number was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> now my point is. Check your number. <laughs> if I got a $20,000 personal loan to start the business or like the example before, I had $20,000 of capital that I allocated to that, I've magnified my losses if it didn't work out. But because I didn't have debt or capital, I've slowly gone into it mm. and I have quantified any risk of that spend. Yeah. And that's why a side hustle, whilst it might take longer, it gives you a chance to iron out all the glitches, doesn't it? Yeah, the slow burn is good. One of the big things, if you don't feel like you've got that entrepreneurial kind of mindset, the big barrier is risk. And I hear in this question of 150 to 200K, what what do I spend it on? And, and I love the ideas of side hustles because it just eliminates that risk, lets you test the water, lets you build up an understanding to go, do I want to do this or not? Like, yeah. is this me or not? Yeah. And that mm. person has said, well, invest it into whatever um, and let just let it do its thing. Like, mm. not a bad response. But it's also as well, it goes back to your own personal constitution with what you want to do with your life and your time. Like, I really love the idea of buying a heap of those self-storage bays and all that. Yeah, Because I'm like, low maintenance, yeah. prints money, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just not in that business. I would rather just focus my energy with what I'm doing now. Okay, so let's have a bit of fun because we're a funny old bunch, right? <laughs> what? I'm going to tell um, Shanty my uh, funny response as well. Right. But you so go. What, what would yours be, Shell? Wrong, oh, wrong answers only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't think on the spot. Can you go to, can you go to Glenn? Yeah, so mine would be to uh, rent a new studio and deck it out and have a premium OnlyFans account. Okay. People want it, John. Yep, they need it, do they? They need me. Okay. Yeah, interesting. What would you do? Wrong answers only. Um, a storage bay. <laughs> a daycare centre. Yeah. Daycare? Plenty, plenty of headaches in daycare, but uh, plenty of dough if you can do really? it right, I think, yeah. yeah I say right. there's a lot of dough in bakeries as well. <laughs> I heard that. Not too good for the hips. Did he yes. get that? Yes. What? Yeah, mate. I've grown up with anal, <laughs> anal jokes like that. <laughs> Did I get that? <laughs> All right, we've got to wrap this up. Yeah, we've got to go. We're going to start getting some abuse for having too many banters and uh, you get what you pay for, people. Um I'm going to have an after party with Shell. We're going to hang around. John, do you want to add anything before you leave? Because we'll end the episode now. Yeah. No, it was a really good chat. Some awesome questions. So keep them coming. It's just yeah. uh, you can't make them up. It's good. No one's got a right answer, but we've all got an opinion. Mm. That's right. Love it. All right. See you, John. Right, bye. bye. Okay. There's one last question. John has gone, but I just wanted to answer this. Uh, Quinton Murphy put in the Facebook group, I'd love to hear people's opinions. I was scrolling through TikTok and came across a video of a guy who was looking for a rental and decided to ask for a reference from previous tenants about the landlord to see if they're a good landlord. His argument was that 
to get a rental, you have to provide references to say that you're a good tenant. So why not get a reference from the landlord? I'd love to hear people's opinions. Now, I did see a comment. I think Vince Scully wrote that uh, he was a comedian and it was a bit of satire. But it's an interesting thing, isn't it, Shell? It's such a good idea. It is, but... It's like getting a reference about your boss. Don't you think you should be able to get a reference about your boss before you work there? Because they have the biggest determining factor on your success in employment. I think it's good in theory, but in practice it wouldn't work because you've got like, uh, it just wouldn't work. So, you, so if there's a, a house that's uh, up for rent next door and you go, oh, would you be able to put me in touch with the previous tenants so I can get a reference of them? I mean, is the real estate agent to be like, get out of here. I just like, do you want the place or not? Like, so I, I think there's some impracticalities there. I mean, sure, I like the idea. Um, and also in a heated rental market. Yeah, that's right. Who cares? Like, just do you want to do you want to not? But yeah, I think that's it. it. Comes down, it totally comes down to the market, right? Like, of well, we, it's very difficult to get a rental, so you just do whatever, and you're not going to annoy the real estate with that question. But I do love it for employment. Like, I reckon everyone should get an insight from the team that they're going to work with about the, their boss. Okay, on that thought, if you went somewhere for an interview, what about you know how like. I joke and you probably do it in a serious way where I'm like, flip the interview and start interviewing them, like all that stuff. (laughs) Could you say, look, is it appropriate that if there is a second interview, for example, if we make it to the second round or if it's appropriate now, would I be able to have a look around the workplace and maybe just say hi to a couple of the other workers? Totally. You can absolutely ask to, hey, can I- (laughs) There's people over the other side with a little sign saying run. (laughs) Yeah. It's like so many good memes and tweets about this sort of thing. When you get into an organisation and they're like, what the heck, why did you do this? But what I, I think is important in the interview is, especially right now, so let's it's the exact opposite of the rental market. It's a really good time to get a job because it's a candidate-driven market. Like employers cannot find enough good people. So how do you go into that interview and go, hey, Glenn, I'd love to know what's your leadership style? Mm-hmm. What do you how do you kind of set the culture here? And then you get a vibe from the team. If you do a team-based interview, ask them what the leaders like to work for. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, guys. And thanks, Shell, for all you do with the My Millennial Career podcast. And everyone, I just love the career questions in the podcast because, like, back to my rant, our career is so important. It is. It's like, the, it's how it's how you make all your money. Yeah, and it's a big chunk of your time out of your life. So if it sucks, change it. And yeah. And that's not like I'm leaving and I'm doing the Jerry Maguire who's coming with me type. <laughs> and for those over 30, you get me. For those under 30. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> for those under 30, watch Jerry Maguire. It's a it's a fun time. It, it's like we've just got to reset our aim and have some movement. Yep. Uh, But uh, we'll leave it there and I'm going to ask you something in the after party. See you later, guys. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info.
If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. So... You know how I hurt my back? Yeah. I can see on your face, your face looks really pained. <laughs> like you just didn't like... <laughs> so, I sent an audio, audio message because I use it on Slack to JP the other day and accidentally sent this. Hey, uh, JP. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I stood up in my back. Um, so, <laughs> so, I press record... I stood up and my back to each other. It sounds terrible. It does. <laughs> oh. So what's happened? You need to go oh, to the chiropractor. I was, re- I was the magnolias out the front. They're they're in big concrete pots, and we've just had the driveway re-sprayed and all that. And I wanted to replace the old pots because they were daggy. So I just got big plastic ones so they won't be looking crap. And I. Like I repotted them myself, and they were so heavy. Oh. And I picked one up, and it just oh, it's so bad. But um, oh, what I didn't say, everyone. <laughs> you're right. I just feel like if people could see how pained your expression is, like <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. What I didn't say, everyone. Uh, you're hearing this on Tuesday, the eighth of February. If you listen live, I'm probably above Hawaii right now. So I'm I'm going up to the States. Woohoo. And I'm actually for the next few weeks, I'm just not recording any live podcasts. I'm just having a break. Have a break. I'm just like Your version of a break's not very break no, either. It's not. <laughs> like you're like, I'm on holidays, but then you're still working well, all the time. It was so funny. Well it's not a holiday. I'm just living. Oh that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just having just a living. Yeah. Living with chronic back pain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um I yeah, like, because I was talking to JP the other day and I'm like, yeah, just book him in. He's like, oh, but you're away. I'm like, no, I'll be, when it's like afternoon in Columbus, it'll be morning in Sydney. Like, I'm happy to still do meetings. I don't care. Do you ever have a holiday? Nah, not really. I probably should, eh? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had like a burnout? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> tick that, tick that off my bucket list. Please, if I'm not burnout, are you even living? <laughs> yeah, what do they say? Only the only the high performers burn out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, do you want to be successful and burn out or do you want to not achieve your goals? I mean, <laughs> um, It'd be, you really should have time completely off. Well, but this is the thing. I don't need it. Because what I've done is, and I've talked about this before, if I feel like I can just do what I want when I want, I don't need to break from that. Yeah. That's one of your val- – that becomes your that sense of values. Like you're like, my value is complete autonomy and control over my own life. Totally. And therefore, I'm, I'm generally happier and mm. healthier. So, what we're going to do is um, for the next four weeks on the Thursday show – 
there will still be just interviews that I've pre-recorded with some cool people. Uh, and the Tuesday shows, we're doing some takeover shows. Woo-hoo, so I think yay. next week, John and Emily are doing a property Q&A. Nice. Then the next week, I think you and I think Emma are going to just Anne. do a career Q&A. Um, and then the next week... Business? Think, is it business or no, Gen Z? No, JP and Azaria are going to nice. do a money hacks question. I need some money hacks yeah. in my life. And then I think we're going to get John and Dev from My Millennial Money Medical to do a, an, an episode as well. Yeah. This is going to be good. So hopefully all of you enjoy me not being around and I won't have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a holiday forever. <laughs> yeah, but if you do miss me, you'll still be able to hear me on the Thursday show. Thursday show. Yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. So well, enjoy your holiday. I'm just leaving. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm like I'm, I'm doing podcasts up there, so it's not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're – well, enjoy the States and flying over Hawaii and writing, you know, stuff. Mm. <laughs> Good times. All right. Well, we need to go. Is there anything else you want to add, Shell? No. Good times. Good times. <laughs> I asked John this – on last week's after party. Hit me with it. When you put your shoes and socks on, are you sock, sock, shoe, shoe or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. What was John? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Oh, okay. What are you? Well, this was the crazy thing. <laughs> Usually <laughs> I was sock, sock, shoe, shoe, but I found myself lately doing sock, shoe, sock, shoe. That's so weird. Yeah. And I'm like, am I having an episode? Maybe. Um. Have you, have you uncovered what it is? Why are you doing that? Mm, no, just out of sync with life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It is weird. It's very weird. All right. See well, you, friends. Thanks been, for hanging out. I'm going to go. It's been real. <laughs> I just want to apologise to everyone that sometimes we're not that good at being professional and... I thought you were going to say sometimes we're not that good at being funny. <laughs> oh, we're never good at being I know, funny. I thought, I'm like, I'm not that good at being funny, but, hi- but highly intelligent and professional. <laughs> oh, straight up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, thanks for hanging out, Glenn. I'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.